Welcome back to Long Distance Work Life, where we help you lead, work, and thrive in remote and hybrid teams. I'm Marissa Eikenberry, a fellow remote worker. Joining me is my co-host and remote work expert, Wayne Trammell. How are you doing, that Wayne? Be, that would be me. I'm fine. I'm I'm excellent, as a matter of fact. That's great. <laughs> so depending on when you're listening to this, either the long distance work long distance work life, that's us. The long distance team book is either about to come out or it is already out. And so I wanted to dive in. The book is so focused on culture and team culture. So I wanted to take a moment and talk about what is culture. And so let's start with that, Wayne. What is culture? Culture. Oh my goodness. Culture is this lovely word that gets thrown around a lot. Uh, and basically what it means is this, whether it's a team, whether it's a family, whether it's a company, culture is, this is how we do it here. Okay. And you know that every family is different. Every family has its own rules and dynamics and every company you walk in. I mean, there are companies you walk in and you instantly know, boy, this would be a cool place to work or boy, I would never want to work here or whatever. Right. Right. How, so, how quick can my meeting get done? Because I want to get out of here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This place is giving me the creeps. Um, but it's a, it's a topic that's come up a lot because when it comes to uh, remote work, hybrid work, what is our team going to look like? We're hearing a lot about how do we keep our company culture? Okay. And those types of concerns are kind of top of mind now. And... The problem with defining culture as this is how we do it here is what is it, right? right. What is the thing that we do? And it's going to be different for every company, right? Well, the things are going to be different, but what the categories of those things are remain the same. Okay. Uh, we came up with a model in the long distance team called the three C's model because we're clever consultants and Kevin likes alliteration. But basically it says, if you think about, you know, you, the culture is the roof over your house. There are three pillars that kind of make up the support of that structure. The first is communication. How do we talk e to each other? How often do we talk each other? Um, what tools do we use to talk to each other? You know, a place where everything is face-to-face -face and very verbal is very different than a place that communicates all by email. Absolutely. The second pillar is collaboration. That's how does the work get done, right? How do we work together? Are we in meetings all day long? Are God, we I hope not. <laughs> kind of, but there are organizations. I hear from people every day that I'm on Teams meetings from 8 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon and I can't get any work done. Yeah, and they wonder why Zoom fatigue is at an all-time high. Well, but that's this, that's a deep rabbit hole, so I, yes. I have to be very good. But it's actually a sign of the culture. If it's important that we talk to each talk to each other, mm -hmm. right? If it's important that we see each other and that we've made that important, then our culture is going to be very meeting heavy because right. that's how we get things done. Yeah. Less asynchronous stuff. I get that. So, and, and it should be a conscious choice. What's happened is for a lot of people, it isn't. They're so desperate to stay connected. They think the only way they can do it is by putting your webcams on and having another meeting. 
Right, which we've talked about in previous episodes, and I'll link in the show. And will again, because it's an ongoing thing. So there's communication, there's collaboration, and then there's cohesion, which is how does our team form relationships? What kind of relationships do we have? What is our general mood, right? Are we a fun environment? Are we a serious environment? Are we a competitive environment? And all of those things are fine. There isn't like this, you, thou shalt have this. Right. All, it's going to be different. Right? It's going to be different for everybody. It, there's a difference between something that is founder operated, like the Kevin Eikenberry Group, and a publicly owned company where this is the 37th CEO and the company's been around for a million years. Right. There are all kinds of things. But if you break down and ask somebody, what is the culture in your company? You're going to basically be able to break it into those three categories of communication, collaboration, and cohesion. And if you know how you do that, then you know how we do it here. That totally makes sense. One of the other things that you talk about in the book because I know there's a whole list of all of these different things and Wayne just gave you a small snippet of what's in the book. So And it's a couple hundred pages. It's not like I'm giving you the whole schmear. Of course, of course. So all the more reason to buy the book. But one of the things that you also have in that list is that culture is the behaviors that get you promoted. Can you explain what that means? Well, that's part of collaboration. How does the work get done? And, you know, how do we do things here. I have worked in organizations where you are promoted based on your subject matter expertise. Sales organizations are great examples of this. We're going to take our best salesperson and make them not sell anymore, but they're going to help everybody else. Okay. We see that all the time. Yeah. We see it all the time. Engineering companies, I can't remember if I've told that this story on this podcast or not, but I was working with an engineering company and they had a problem because they couldn't get anybody to take the management jobs. Right. <laughs> they would take our best coders, scientists, whatever, and make them the boss. And six months later, they were back on the bench. And I said to this person, what gives? I mean, you get more status, you get more money. You get... And, you know, he looked at me with all the innocence of a six-year-old and said, code does what you tell it to do the first time and you don't have to ask how the kids are. As a web developer, amen. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? Are you promoted in your organization based solely on subject matter expertise? Are you promoted because you've got the people skills and the leadership skills and some of those um, so-called intangibles that make for leaders. Uh, is there a path in your company to being right. a leader? Or do you sit around and wait for your boss to die? <laughs> right. Right? There are organizations Absolutely. where they only hire from within. Nobody ever gets fired. And so, you know, you can be there forever and not get a promotion. And for a lot of people, that's cool. Yeah, you might be the junior assistant them, forever. <laughs> and makes them crazy, right? Um, so what are the behaviors that get you promoted? What are the behaviors that get you the right kind of attention in okay. the organization, for example? Um, you know, I have always said, and I've said on this show many times, your work doesn't speak for itself. Right. 
Whether it should or not is a completely different conversation, but the work seldom speaks for itself. There are organizations that put more weight on that than others. Right. And all those things are part of the culture of that company. Uh, you know, there was a time when General Electric, for example, the bedrock of their culture was they would hire somebody out of school. And if they hired them as a potential leader, it was two, two, and two. It was two divisions in two different cities for two years each. Okay. And if you did that rotation, you could pretty much write your ticket inside the company. Hmm. Okay. And that worked for 50 years. So what changed? Jack Welch came in and said, we are no longer an entitled company. We are going to performance review and fire the bottom 10% Oof. of people in our company every year. Oh. Now, on one hand, did they have dead wood? They, did they need to maybe examine what their teams looked like? Okay, I'll buy that. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, after two years, you've cut the deadwood. Theoretically speaking, yeah. And what you have is a bunch of people who are less concerned about doing the best possible work and more concerned about making sure they're not in the bottom 10%. Yeah, if I can run faster than Jim, then I'm fine. Yeah, I don't have to outrun you. I just have to, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just have to outrun you, right? Right. And so what happened is you got a lot of CYA behavior. You got a lot of people spending a lot of time documenting. What's CYA behavior before you move on? Uh, CYA is cover your... Oh, got it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, for example, if I got a, a email from Kevin saying, hey, good job. Trust me, I had a file that said Kevin said I did a good job. Yes. So when my performance review came around, I could say that I had all this. This is not, and you know, this was a long time ago in GE and, and right. this is not an aspersion on a perfectly good company, but that's an example of how culture changed based on how did we get promoted? There used to be a culture of, if you do a good job for us, you're going to be around for a while. Then it became survival of the fittest, same company, very different cultures. Right. I'm sure that affected the mood and morale. It affected moods. It, it, we're going down a very deep rabbit hole. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that someday I will tell the story about the factory in Schenectady. But the fact is that that is a very good example of how culture changes, how the decisions we make about how to be get promoted and who stays and do we want people focusing on collaboration or do we want a little competition and you know all of those things which are individually legitimate questions mm -hmm. they add up to this is our culture so yeah i was gonna say I, i'm gonna switch gears a little bit just because i know yeah. that we have been going down this rabbit hole for a bit and we should definitely do another episode on that. But in the book, you also touch on this idea of macro culture versus micro culture. So what's the difference between the two? Well, macro culture is the company's culture overall. Okay. Micro culture is me, my boss and my teammates. 
Okay, so it's like smaller teams versus the larger organization. And in a lot of organizations, you see this writ large where there's the company's uh, commitment to teamwork and whatever, and then there's the sales team. And they run differently than the tech and team. And they run on a different set of marching orders than the rest of the organization, which makes sense. It's a sales organization. It's incentive-driven. It's commission. It's... Mm-hmm largely we have, you know, each person does their own accounts. So of course it's going to have a very different culture than a part of the company that is collaborative. By, yeah, that totally makes sense. By definition. Now, some organizations are better or worse or more cutthroat or whatever. Right. But based on the job they do, based on, you know, the Atlanta office probably feels different than the Denver office, which I guarantee is different than the New York office. And those are all perfectly fine to have that different culture too. Exactly right. Uh, And as we work in remote teams, remote teams tend to, especially if they're being formed from scratch, tend to take on the personality of their leader. That makes sense. So even if I am based out of Atlanta, if I'm working for somebody in New York, I can almost guarantee when I'm working with my teammates, we work differently than we would have if we were all in the Atlanta office. Right. Yeah. The leader is truly leading how the culture works. Yeah. So speaking of remote teams and stuff, I know that one of the things that we hear a lot lately is that culture can't happen outside of the office or, you know, return to office is happening because our culture sucks. So let's bring everybody back in. So what do you say to leaders that think that culture can only happen in person? Okay, well, first of all, you have to realize that culture happens regardless. Right. Everybody's got a culture. Every You have a culture. The question before the court is, is this the culture we want to have? Now, part of the reason that teams are struggling is that their senior leadership is pining for whatever they had in the glorious before times. Right. And we've discussed before that the before times are over. (laughs) The before times ain't coming back. But it's, some of this is legitimate. I knew this. I was successful in this, especially if it's a founder-oriented company. There was a way things were done, and they were done in kind of the way the company was founded and created. And now it's changing and we don't like that so much. Right. We we always struggle with change. Everybody struggles with change. And this is not a minor one. To be fair, this is a really substantial moment in time. Mm-hmm. And for some organizations, it's more traumatic than others. Now, the second part of the quest. So you're going to have a culture. The second culture is what is the culture that you want? Very different things. And here's the interesting thing. And, you know, our our book, The Long Distance Team, takes you through this process. But the first thing you need to do is you need to define what is the culture that you want? You know, what did you like about the before times? Yeah. What was it that made it a good place to work? Yeah. Are there things that you could bring back in a remote environment? Yeah. Now here's your question. And this one doesn't get asked enough. What didn't you like? (laughs) Right. 
Because it wasn't like you were working in the Garden of Eden. Right. Everybody's got issues. Right. There were things that probably could be done different, better, whatever. But what is your aspirational culture? And if you're looking at, you know, we were like this before and we can't go back there. What are the things we absolutely want to keep? What is going to make people want to come work for us? Mm -hmm. Right. We're a fun environment. We respect people's personal time. We expect people to be driven. Right. Right. If we're an organization that does billable hours, if you're working nine to five, you're probably not going to succeed here. Right. That makes sense. Conscious decisions, the way things are built. Then once you've figured out your aspirational culture, if you're building a team or a company from completely from scratch, you can kind of miss this next step. But what do people want? Because this can't be dictated. It has to be organic. Mm -hmm. What do people want the culture to be? Which might be different than what the leader wants the culture to be. Which might be different than what the leader does. But again, it's how are we going to communicate? How does the work get done? How do we make sure, you know, if we give people the flexibility around time, how do we make sure we're covered for our customers? And how do we collaborate synchronously or how do we collaborate? Do we have meetings? Are we going to use other methods? You know, are we going to do a lot of small group work or do we do everything as a big team? All those questions come into it. Right. And then how are we going to maintain personal relationships and how important is that to us? Absolutely. And that's going to be different for every organization too. And we have in the book, and if you go to the website, longdistanceteambook.com, you will also find some resources, including that list of questions. Absolutely. Um, but that it's a process. You need to ask those questions. You need to talk about it. What do we want? What do I think we should be doing? Mm-hmm. What do the people who actually do the work think we should be doing? And what's the compromise that can be made from those? And what is... Now, is it a compromise or is it a collaboration? Okay. Compromise kind of implies neither one of us really gets what we want. Collaboration presumes that the outcome is going to be better than the parts. That's fair. The language we use is really important. Admittedly, it probably doesn't help that I've been seeing all of this stuff about, you know, well, the boss says return to office and everybody else says no. (laughs) So... Hence my use of well, the, and the more it, negative. It's the same thing. Um, we've already seen that when the company says, get your butt back into the office, and this is how we're going to do it, you're going to do it three days a week, and it's going to be this, there's resistance, there's resentment, there's this isn't working as well as we thought it would. Potential quiet quitting, disengagement. Potential quiet quitting, resent, you know, whatever. We also know that when everybody is involved in those discussions, there's this sense of, well, we thought it was going to be this. It might be this. Let's give it a chance. You know, it's try-fail cycles. It's let's try this. Oh, this part worked, this part didn't, so let's change this. As we've said so often, pilot before policy. Yeah. And when you are trying to change your culture, and this is probably a good place to leave this conversation Mm -hmm. for today, 
when you are intentional about changing your your culture, it's going to be assess it. What is your culture? What's going on? Right. What would you like to have going on? Identify right. the gap. Figure out how to fix that. Lather, rinse, repeat. Right. We yes. do that for a while and then we see how it's going and it's completely iterative. If not, you wind up with culture regardless. It just may not be the one you want. Right. Well, Wayne, thank you so much for talking to us about culture. It sounds like there's definitely some topics that we'll have to visit in future episodes. So we'll figure out what those are and make sure to subscribe if you're not already so you can hear those conversations. And if you, the audience has questions about yes. this stuff, send them in. We're more than happy to answer your specific questions. Absolutely. So listeners, thank you so much for listening to the Long Distance Work Life. For show notes, transcripts, and other resources, make sure to visit longdistanceworklife.com. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, be sure to like and review. This helps us know what you love about our show. Feel free to contact us via email or LinkedIn with the links in our show notes. Let us know you listen to this episode or even suggest a topic for Wayne and I to tackle in a future episode or more questions. We would love to hear from you. If you'd like to learn more about remote teams, pre-order or order, depending on when you're listening to this, Wayne and Kevin's new book, The Long Distance Team. You can learn more about the book at longdistanceteambook.com. Thank you for joining us. And as Wayne likes to say, don't let the weasels get you down. <laughs>